This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Happy Tuesday, everybody. You are in for a real treat. I love this episode. I love Danielle. She is such a great speaker. She is so confident when she talks. She is super knowledgeable in the area of friendship. And you're probably thinking that's an odd topic to talk about friendship. But to be honest, it's odd that we're not always talking about it or learning about it in some capacity because it's such an important part of all our lives. In this episode, Danielle gets into the research about how important it is and how it affects our quality of life, our happiness, our mood, all of that. And it's really fascinating. Like she mentions in the episode, there's so many books on romantic relationships and how to have a strong connection with your romantic partner, but there's not much on friendship. We dive into, you know, friendship in adulthood, how it's so hard to make friends as an adult, whereas in childhood, your friendships are kind of made for you because you're friends with people in your class, you're friends with people in your neighborhood, and it just kind of happens so naturally. Whereas as an adult, it can be a lot more difficult to make friends and then maintain those friendships and have a strong connection with those friends. So we get into all of this stuff. We also touch on mom friends and why it's so difficult for moms to make friends with other moms and have a strong connection with other moms. And she gives us real practical ways and tips on how to make friends and keep friends. So I gave the example of, you know, sometimes I'll be at a wedding with my husband for one of his friends that's getting married. And, you know, one of his friend's wives are like super cool. And I'm like, oh, like I could see us being really good friends. But as an adult, I'm like, I'm 36. What do I do? Pass her a note and be like, do you want to be my friend? Like it's awkward. So she gives us ways to foster those friendships. And, you know, if you think someone's really cool and you want to be their friend, she tells you how to go about that. Danielle is the founder of Friend Forward. It is a digital community that provides coaching, research articles, and connection events for women looking to create and maintain true friendships. As a friendship coach, she literally is there to teach women how to have better relationships with other women, which is something that she finds is lacking in a lot of women's lives, especially women that are very career focused and maybe thriving in other areas of their life, but they do feel a void in the friendship area of their lives. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. It was such a great conversation. And like I said earlier, she is a great speaker and so easy to listen to. So without further ado, please welcome Danielle Bayard Jackson to the mom room. 
First, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I'm curious how you became interested in the topic of friendship, because I feel like there's so much information and talk about romantic relationships and, you know, love and all that, but not so much about friendship. And at the same time, I was thinking about it and it's like, we're never taught the importance of friendship. We're never taught like how to be a good friend, how to get a friend and maintain a friendship. It's just kind of assumed that everyone's going to just go and it'll just happen on its own. So it's interesting that, you know, there's actual things that can help people maintain friendships and be a good friend. So I'm curious kind of what your journey was and then also how you got into the topic of friendship. Yeah, I always, you know, joke and say it's, you know, friendship coach was not on my vision board when I was 18, you know, but I was actually a high school English teacher for six years. And then I was always hearing young women talk between classes in the cafeteria. They'd come to me after class, you know, and they're like, Miss Byard, you know, my teacher, this, this, and that. And, And we'd go back and forth almost like in a big sisterly way. And when I left education to get into public relations, I made the mistake of dismissing all of that as teenage girl stuff, because now here I am talking to like these high powered clients, these ambitious women who own their own businesses. And if we're doing like a media prep interview or something late into the evening, you know, the conversation gets loose. Everybody's feeling a little comfortable. And at that stage, they'll reveal to me, they don't have any friends at all because they're so career driven or so into the baby and work that you don't have time for friends. And so that's when I had a moment of like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. Like at every stage of womanhood, you're trying to navigate relationships with other women. And so after one particular conversation with the client, I went, I came on Amazon, I went and looked at the book section. And I'm like, let me, are there books on friendship? And there was virtually nothing at the time. And that's when it's like, it became this obsession because I'm like, like, I literally saw like the search results for friendship books. But if you Google mom or motherhood books, or, you know, how to be a boss in the boardroom, or there's so much support, how to be a better wife, how to find it, how to find a man, so much support. So why is there virtually nothing to support us with what I'd argue is one of the most essential relationships you could ever have? And research supports that, that when it comes down to the the single most factor in determining your overall well-being and quality of life. It is not your salary. It is not your job status or marital status. It is the quality of your friendships. And it's just so interesting because to your point, we often think of friends as like, oh, you don't really even think about friends. It's like, you got them or you don't. You're likable or you're not. And so I think as we get older and we start to realize like, oh, where do my people go? And what am I looking for? And, and I'm lonely, or I, I think as those things start to surface, we are reminded, man, how do I even make friends? How do I do this? Where did my people go? So I got certified and I, you know, have my educator background. And so for the past two years, I've been serving as a friendship coach, which means, you know, women entrust me with some of their most sensitive issues concerning bonding with other women. And so far, it's been a really fun journey. It's interesting if you think about when we're younger, we're in school. So we almost have like built in friendships. You know, if you're a part of a sports team or any kind of after school club, like you tend to be friends with people that live in your neighborhood or go to your school or in your class. But as we get older, like for me, well, I was in school forever. So, <laughs> so I was a little bit lucky because I made friends in grad school and now those are my really close friends and some friends from elementary school as well. But 
when you're an adult, you don't necessarily have those easily accessible people around you all the time that you just kind of naturally form a friendship with. So it's it's like you need to go out of your way to make friends. And do you find people have a more difficult time making friends in the workplace? We do have that moment of like, wait, what's going on? Because the social backdrop has been provided for us. And so all the key elements that are required to make a friend are provided for us when we're young, repeated exposure, shared interests. So the fact that I'm seeing you every day, we're in close proximity, we have this class in common, and so I'm going to chat you up. That just makes sense. All that's suddenly removed. And so then we get out here and we're floundering like, wait, what's different? Well, all the, like the social constructs have been removed from you. Recess, there's no more recess. You're not in school where you can walk down in your dorm hall and go say what's up to your friends. It's all gone. And so I think the first place we might start to notice this is to your point in the workplace, but even that for a lot of people has also been removed. So a lot of us are at home all day long really feeling the the magnitude of our loneliness because there's no one around. And I think we are more, we have more of a sense of urgency to figure out what's going on because our loneliness is so prominent in our isolation. So yeah, and research shows that your social network grows and grows and grows until about the age of 25, at which point it begins to decrease exponentially. And so I think that's why a lot of us, you know, especially most of us after college, we are trying to come to terms with like, I'm lonely. What do I do? Are there strategies to make friends? Or I thought I had close friends, but I haven't talked to them in like a year. Do I just let that go and chalk it up to friendship fade? Or am I supposed to do something about it? And so I think we're left with a lot of questions, but to your point, we haven't been trained to do this. For me, it's interesting because as a teenager or as a kid, if you meet someone and I'm like, oh, they're cool, like I want to be their friend, it's super easy to just like contact them and build that friendship. As an adult, I can meet someone at a party or maybe it's a spouse of one of my husband's friends or something and I'm like, oh, I really like her. But I think we have this thought like, oh, they already have their life. Like they're older, they're already set up. They have their group of friends. Like I'm just meeting her now for the first time at age 35. You know, we're not like, how do you even do that? Like, it's so interesting to me. And I find like, that's what I think myself is like, oh, these people already have a life set up. Like, I'm not going to stalk her to try and be her friend. Yeah. You know what? I think it starts with, first of all, what you just said, where you meet somebody and you're like, she's really cool. Like, oh, she's funny. Or like, I like her. I think it starts there with like admitting it. But I would say, I always talk about like the seven biggest lies that keep us from entering into new friendships. And that is one of them. Oh, well, she probably already has her friends. And we talk ourselves out of exploring the possibilities of friendship with this woman because we told ourselves, like, who told you that? You told you that. So who told you she's done with making friends or she's 35. She probably is already set with all her friends. Well, you're 35 and you're not set, you're open. And so I think we have to remember, wait a second, people are always open to starting something with somebody or even taking the pressure off and just saying, I'm just going to enter into some conversations with her because I like her. I'm going to exercise curiosity here because I like her and a friendship will probably form. But I think we talk ourselves into like, am I allowed to allow myself to fantasize about being friends with her? Or is that window closed? But there's, it's never too late. It's never too late. Research tells us that we replace half of our friends every seven years 
anyway. And so we're always kind of churning and finding new people. And I think as much as we can remind ourselves that you can make new connections and new friends every day at any age, I think we'd be surprised at the the opportunities. So why is finding friends as a new mom so difficult? For a lot of reasons. I think the first one is because, especially depending on the age of your children, they depend on us so much in every possible way that it almost feels like I don't have any energy left in the reserves to dedicate to finding new friends. And to some extent, that's true. So I want to start by acknowledging if you're not out and about and having your mind tuned to making new connections when your kids are like one years old, yeah, that makes sense. And it's okay because friendships go through seasons. So if you're in a season of this being is dependent on me to not choke and fall down the stairs, that takes, that's a lot of like, it's very, you know, depleting, you know, mentally and psychologically. So it makes sense that you feel like you don't have as much to give to like hunt for new friends and, and, and explore that social life. So I think that's the first one, depending on your age, you really don't have the same availability. That's fine. I think the second thing that's on us is we tend to feel bad about it. (laughs) We tend to feel bad about having a brunch on Saturday Hmm. because what if the baby needs me? Mom guilt. Oh, heck yeah. You know, we talk about that so much, but it's like a lot of us feel undeserving of it, that we're like rewarding ourselves or taking time away or we're going to leave the child without if I go and explore this. I just always beg women to make the connection between how much you need this and therefore your family needs this because it's proven that even 10 minutes on the phone with a friend boosts your mood for the rest of the day. And so we can at least commit to a 10 minute phone call. We need to start rethinking what it looks like to hang out with a friend. Maybe it doesn't look like we're brunching all day long because I don't have the extra hours to do that. Maybe it looks like I know like clockwork every Sunday night I'm doing laundry. Let's, you want to hop on the phone Sunday night, do a 20-minute catch-up? And that's what friendship looks like for me. But we put it in the margins of our lives a lot. And like it becomes like a we'll get to it or it's a nice to have, but it's not a need to have. And I think it starts with rethinking like, oh, no, wait a second. I, I, I need my friendships. I need to find ways to layer it on to what I'm already doing. So if I'm walking the baby every morning... I'm calling up my friend. You want to come walk with us? I got the baby, but do you want to come walk with me while I do it? And how can I fit her in? How can we get creative with seeing each other and keeping in touch during this this needy season of motherhood? And we need it. You know, we're all relatively familiar with the whole like fight or flight stress response, but the study was done again in the 90s with women and they discovered that we have more responses. And so one of them is tend or befriend. So when we're stressed, we'll literally go and seek out the company of other women. And it's proven that coming together produces oxytocin, which decreases our stress that we had to begin with. And so I know it's often a stereotype of like, oh, where are you going to go talk to your girls? And it's like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So I don't flip out on you. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I need to go talk to my girls, but we have to find a way to believe, wait a second, I really do need friendships like for my mental health, for my physical health, I need to like connect with my girls and I can really show up as a mom. And then finally, we have to remember that our kids need to see us model friendship. I challenge anybody listening, how often have your children seen you talk to another woman and either work through a conflict or laugh together or you showing kindness to this other woman? So we talk to them about it all the time as director on the playground. Have they ever seen you model 
laughing with a friend, talking through something, you know, playing hostess and, and being generous to her, being a good listener. So some of it, like if we can tap into it from that perspective too, like, wait a second, my kids need to see me model being a friend. Perhaps that can relieve us of a little of that guilt as well. I feel like once we have a child, like your child is doing activities. And so naturally with the other kids, their parents are there. And so you almost feel like a pressure to make friends with people that are the parents of children that your child is going to be around. Is there anything with like moms making friends with other moms and how that could be difficult? Just because I'm thinking of how, you know, a lot of moms, especially when you're a new first time mom, like you're insecure and like you fear judgment about your parenting choices. And so maybe that would make it more difficult to be friends with another mom that has a child that's about the same age as your child. Yeah, that's such a great observation too. You know, even though having common interests often brings people together, it doesn't mean I have to be friends with you because we both are moms and our kids like each other. So let's try to make this work. And vulnerability just in general and friendship is really hard. And being a new mom, to your point, there's like heightened vulnerability about everything you're doing, if you're doing a good job and, and your abilities in this new role. And so it's a very vulnerable space to begin with. And so it's hard to come out the gate with a new person with that level of vulnerability. Because to your point, she's watching how I feed him, how I just talk to him. Does she think I'm a bad person because I just yelled right now? And then that whole thing of like, do I invite her over, but our house is a mess. Like there's just so much in exposing ourselves, which is generally difficult in friendship. And so, yes, I totally see how it's even more sensitive in a mom to mom friendship. I think a couple of things we have to do to remind ourselves is one, we're just remember on your own, separated from anybody else's judgment, you're doing a great job. And two, yeah, I think that different parenting styles with moms is a thing that's kind of important because your kids are seeing how their mom talks to them. And sometimes it's hard to withhold. I don't want to say judgment, but sometimes it is hard to watch something where you're like, oh my God, that's so not okay. And not say anything. And then you want to say something because you're like, well, I'm just being a good friend by letting her know, you know, it's not cool to feed them that often. And, you know, and so there's a lot of like minefield that almost feels like that comes with being mom friends. So I, I almost want to say, you know, be observant and know your boundaries. So ask yourself, is this something where it's just a difference of opinion or I really feel like this kid's in danger and I have to say something? Most times it's just, I wouldn't make that choice. So how is she making that choice? most of the times it's that and then having some boundaries. So let's say I, I make observations and I'm like, oh, she's to this or I can't vibe with that. Okay. Well, maybe let me reduce her from like trying to make her a level eight friend and she's just going to be my level three friend. And we sit by each other and chat while our kids are on the playground. And that's the extent of that. And I'm not trying to turn it into anything more because I just observed that that's the extent to, to what we can go in our friendship. And sometimes lowering the expectations allows us to have more joy in the relationship. If I know like, oh no, we can never be best friends because I can't be best friends with somebody who does X, Y, Z. That's fine. She's, she's the mom friend you chat with at the park and that's the extent of it. I love that. The levels. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have to, because a lot of us, I think a lot of times, especially women, we're secret auditioning for our best friend. And then we get very disappointed when she says the wrong things or the humor is kind of off and we don't vibe for a second. We're like, oh, I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. But is it okay that she was just your, your park friend? And she's really fun to, to laugh with at the park. The end. 
you know? And so I think, you know, really close friendships, obviously that exists, but we're trying to like get our best friend and, and every woman we meet. And, and is that totally, you know, reasonable to expect? And then also finding ways when you can to maintain friendships with friends who maybe aren't moms or who, you know, from back in the day, what can you do to keep that going? Because that revi- revives a new sense of identity in you. And it keeps you remembering who you are as an individual, because I know sometimes with mom friends, we fall into talking about the kids, but you you need to have a conversation that's not about, you know, butt cream and, and sensitive skin bath soap. And, you know, like I need to talk about other things. And sometimes our non-mom friends help remind us of, of who we are outside of that identity. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals, so you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding, and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. One of my best friends is not a mom. They're not planning on having children. 
And I talk to her all the time. And it's so nice. Like she has such a good balance of like being interested in our lives and being interested in Milo. And, you know, so it's not like she's completely separate from me as a mom. But it's nice to, we do Zoom workouts together. And I was thinking about that when you were talking about scheduling it with something that you're already doing. And so I wanted to start working out. And I was like, I knew that she worked out. So I was like, do you want to do Zoom workouts together? And that was such a good time to just spend time with her, even though we're like sweating and grunting and stuff. (laughs) Like, it was just nice to have that connection, even if it's virtually, right? Totally. Whatever we can get. You know, they say in order to have depth in your friendship, you need three things. And, and this is a an idea popularized by Shasta Nelson, who's a friendship expert. And it's called like the triangle of friendtimacy. But those three things, if you could imagine a triangle and then different labels on each side, at the base of the triangle, you have positivity, meaning it's a pleasurable experience to be around you. And the reason it's at the base of the triangle is because if we don't even have that, then I'm not going to elect to build anything further because it's not fun to be around you. And so positivity is one key element of creating depth in a friendship. The next is consistency. So to your point, we simply see each other, even if it's virtual, but but we're tapping in. I'm, I'm touching you. I know what's going on in your life. And then finally, what we mentioned earlier, vulnerability. And so you can see if, if one of those components is missing, how it kind of destabilizes that triangle. So let's say we have a lot of positivity when we're together and we are consistent, but we never get vulnerable. The result is a superficial friendship. If we are vulnerable with each other and we are consistently seeing each other, but it's never positive. This is where a lot of us get into the, we complain all the time. Like, don't get me wrong. I love a good vent session, but these are the people who like every time we get together, it's emotionally dumping, venting a person who generally has like a poor outlook on the world. Then we can't be as close as we can be because it's so draining to be together. And then finally, if we have positivity and vulnerability, but we talk twice a year, then it's not possible for me to have depth with you. So I think whether it's creating a new friendship or in maintaining an existing friendship, how can we be intentional at keeping each of those three components in check? I'm obsessed with this idea of this triangle. Like it makes so much sense. And when I think about if there's new mom friends, I feel like that vulnerability piece is missing a lot of the time because we are afraid of being vulnerable as moms to especially other moms, right? So it's all, everything's great. Like I have no issues because you don't, you feel uncomfortable sharing that. But oh my gosh, I love that. And it's funny when you said there's no positivity, there's a defense mechanism that's called help rejecting complaining. And that's what that is. It's the constant complaining, 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 and then the other people trying to help you, but you don't ever take the advice. You're just constantly like, it's just over and over. It's like nonstop. So it made me think about that, but I love that triangle thing. So good. What was the guy's name again? This is Shasta Nelson, a female friendship expert. I think it's just so helpful in giving us words to something we know to be true. Like, you know, something's off. But to your point, you know, earlier when we first started chatting, there's been no instruction for this or guidance. So you don't even know the words to articulate. I like her, but something, I don't know, it's off. Or I like her, but... I don't know. I feel like we could be closer, but we don't have the language. We don't have the concepts to even articulate. 
okay, this is missing or, okay, you know what? I'm being too negative. That's what it is. Like we've got to, we've got to switch up how positive we are, but no one's ever outlined for this in a, like a a step-by-step tangible action step kind of way. And I think that's why a lot of us are still struggling far into adulthood with like making friends and then keeping it going because we don't know what to do. So you almost feel like you're going to subsist on things you've been doing, but what you were doing with your 11 year old friends is not going to work at 35, but no one's helped us to even make that transition. It's just so fascinating. And it's funny because like, like we were saying before, the topic is friendship and it's just, nobody thinks about it in any kind of depth, right? It's just, oh yeah, it happens or it doesn't. And you just make friends and that's it. But when you actually think about it, how important it is, you would think that we'd be talking about it a lot more. So what are some mindsets that keep us from building and maintaining healthy friendships, especially as a mom? And like the early days or months of motherhood can be so lonely and isolating. So what are some things that hold us back? So for mom specifically, one is that we shouldn't be asking for help. And so it becomes like this, this, this cycle of needing help, but you don't ask. So now you feel even more isolated in your, you know, you're drowning, not wanting to put people out, not wanting to ask for help. Even when a lot of us know we have friends who would jump at the opportunity to help still not wanting to ask for help. And whether that's something where we feel like it would expose our own deficiencies or not wanting to put people out, or a lot of us, you know, I had to get over this myself. I'm a very Miss Independent Woman. And so it felt like it would detract from my character as an independent woman to ask you for help. So a lot of that can sometimes get in the way. The belief that it's too late for me. So if we're like 30, 35, we start to think it's too late for me to make friends. It's so funny because I coach women every single day. And I wish I could like put them all in a room together and be like, can you guys please talk to each other? Because they're telling me the same issues on like other sides of the coin that you have tons of women. Like, I feel like it's too late for me. I feel like it's too, and I just want to be like, but can you guys just talk to each other? Cause you both think that, but a lot of us compare ourselves to these like idealistic pictures we see, I guess on Instagram, like you see a bunch of girls on the boat with like hashtag squad goals. And you're like, Oh my God, I'll, I'll never have that. They all look so close and happy. And they've probably been friends for 20 years. And it's like, Oh my God, stop. I'm talking to women who've had friends for 20 years and they're coming to me because they feel so dissatisfied with those friendships. But here I am comparing my six month friendship to me. And I wish I had decades long friendships like that. And it's like, you have no idea what's going on in that friendship. And also your, you know, new friendship is not any less valid because y'all didn't make friends in the ninth grade, you know? And so there's a lot of comparison. There's a lot of, it's too late for me. There's a lot of, she already has friends. It looks like one lie is, you know, I feel like I'll be exposed once I make friends. So a lot of us are hungry for closeness, but like, yeah, it requires, opening up a little bit to be close and to be known and to be seen. But a lot of us fear that like, oh, I'd be good at like making friends. But once we got close, like she'd see I'm a real mess. And so it keeps us kind of having arm's length because we don't want to be exposed, which kind of makes me think about, you know, there's this list of like 13 traits of a good friend, like according to like this popular psychologist. And one of the traits on there, surprisingly, is self-confidence. So a lot of times we tend to think of like, oh, a good friend is somebody who's like a great listener and they're nice and they're honest. And that's all true, but also somebody who's self-confident. And so a lot of us, I mean, I hate to sound life coachy, but are not 
okay with ourselves. And until you get right, it is going to be hard for you to show up for other people because you don't even believe you have something worthy of offering other people. So why should I as a friend to you? You know, so if you really don't believe like, oh, I'm I'm too awkward and I'm too this, no one would want to be my friend or I'm too this and I'm not sure it's going to affect how you can show up for new friends. And so I would encourage women to kind of get comfortable with themselves because then you are willing to be a little vulnerable because you're confident in yourself and it's okay to take a little risk or, you know, you, you want to show up often and you, you want to be positive because you feel content with yourself. Or if she makes new friends, you're not totally devastated. Like, well, what does that mean? Because you're like, oh yeah, go ahead. Because I trust that what we have is like so different and unique, like go ahead and have other friends. It's not going to replace me. So there's a lot of things that confidence touches in friendship that we sometimes don't connect the dots for. But yeah, moms, I think specifically, we have some mindsets that hold us back. And finally, another one would probably be that I don't have time. There's no time for a friendship right now. You know, they're saying that loneliness has the same effect on the body as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's a common piece of research people in this area, you know, tend to share a lot. And I almost wonder if we started talking about friendship from more of a wellness standpoint, if we take it more seriously, if we're like, girl, there was a study that showed, you know, they followed several hundred people at a clinic in Buffalo and they found that those who were reporting, you know, anxiety and depression had no social network. The ones who had strong social networks were less likely to have depression and anxiety. And so I think if we start making connections in our brain to like, oh snap, like I need this like for my health, like to feel good as a person, to keep my mind healthy, I wonder if we begin to prioritize friendship more. Yeah. And it's always amazing, even for me, after having a conversation with a friend, it's almost like you, how you feel after you just exercised or did physical activity, right? Like you have that, like, I don't even know what to term it, but you just feel better. And confidence, I talk about this all the time because I swear confidence is the answer to so many things, so many things. So I'm not surprised that it, you know, plays a role in friendship as well. And then the social media thing, like seeing the people on the boat, (laughs) it's just like, we love to see one picture that was taken in a split second of someone's day, one day out of like the whole year. And we extrapolate this big story from it. Like, oh, look at all their friends that they have and they're having the best time. And, you know, and we know nothing about what is actually going on in the situation. But I can see how, you know, obviously I talk a lot about social media with regard to being a mom and motherhood, but even as like in the friendship space, that is also something where we we're just bombarded with these images that make it look like everyone else is having the best time and has these close friendships. And that's just us reading into these photos that we see, the staged photos too. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, good and well, if you and I went to a coffee shop and snapped one pic during and posted it, people would be like, oh my God, they're so close and they're so fun. And you're like, huh? I mean, it's easy to fake anybody out. And a lot of people, I mean, and if I'm being totally real, some of my best times, we have no pictures. Like we weren't like, this looks cute. Everybody line up. No, you know, we've got to remember. I think we all know that intellectually, it's very hard to apply in very vulnerable moments, but I think we all know, we just got to keep reminding ourselves. (laughs) 
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E what are some practical ways to find and keep friends yeah so a couple things so the very first thing I like to start with is a lot of us are using the phrase make new friends synonymously with meet new people And the two are not the same. Making friends refers to the art of cultivating something meaningful with another person. And who said that that has to start from scratch? And so the first thing is, what existing network can you tap into that you already have that you've dismissed for whatever reason? So that woman you you know who you're like, "Uh, but she's too old, too young, too weird, not weird enough. So we're sitting on lots of good opportunities, but we've dismissed them for whatever reason. Or we feel like, oh, well, she's a friend of a friend. So technically, can I be friends with her if she's friends with my... You've got a lot of people in your network already who'd make for great friends. So I want to encourage you, you know, strategy number one, to just maybe extend that conversation with them for two more minutes or to say like, hey, I saw this and it made me think of you. I know this is random, but I wanted to send it your way just to get it going with people you already know. The second strategy would be to send a message to, I call these our super connector friends, but these are super extroverts who are always out and about and they thrive on bringing new groups together. I'm one myself. I love to be like, oh my God, Maria, you should meet Renee. Come on, you guys. You know, so a lot of us know that person. Make it known what you're looking for. So why not text that person and say, hey, 
I'm trying to get more plugged in and you are always, I always see you out and about. You've always got your girls around. And I don't know if you know if, of anything that's coming up that would be like cool to go to, even if it's virtual, you know, but if you're looking for a plus one or if you know of any events I should check out, you know, let me know and ride their coattails. They're likely going to be like, oh my gosh, yes, you should totally come with us next Friday. To They're happy to, but a lot of us feel very vulnerable in making it known. I'm trying to get plugged in. I'm looking for some new friends. We feel so awkward and and desperate and embarrassed to make known our desires in that way. And so I think that's the second strategy is how can you signal to people, I'm open, I'm in the market, because they're happy to help you meet that need. Another one would be for those of us who are in like, online classes where we work online. And so we have like meetings every Thursday with our team. You know, you're already in these Zoom meetings, but we see it as we're having this meeting and when I'm done, I'm logging off. But I challenge you to extend certain opportunities. So let's say somebody asks a question in the online meeting or the online mom group or something like that. I might message that woman afterwards and say, hey, thank you for asking that question today because I was going to ask it, but I was like, I don't want to put myself out there. So I'm so glad that you did. Just wanted to send you a little note to say thanks. She's likely going to respond to you and then you guys can keep it going. But it's all about momentum. And a lot of us will have like these social opportunities and when they're done, we're done. But it's all about how can you extend that to another arena. And so most people are happy to keep that going. Most people are relieved that you initiated. They think you were great too. Research tells us that we tend to underestimate how much people like us in the first interaction. So they're probably happy to say like, oh yeah, yeah, you too. We should get together or hey, and keep the conversation going. But we've got to train our minds to see social opportunities because people are willing to embrace that. And then finally, you know, I'll share, you know, I, I we have a lot of these online interest groups. And I know some people are like, man, that's lame. Some people think it's awesome. But the reason I like to encourage women to go to these is because there's already a baseline. So you don't have to worry as much about rejection, which a lot of us fear because everybody signed up to be here to make friends. And so if you're wondering like, am I going to look weird? I mean, like, Hey, no, that's, that's protocol. And so, you know, you, you go to these things, but I always like to suggest that you go at least three times because we'll go one time and be like, ah, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't feeling it. I don't know. It was weird. I don't know. And then we don't go back. And the whole point is to have some kind of repeated exposure to breed familiarity. So if I go three times, then now I'm remembering conversations from before. And I can say to somebody, Hey, you mentioned two weeks ago that your dog was sick. Like, is everything okay with that? I was thinking about it, you know, earlier this week, but now I have something to play with. I got something to work with, with Theo and it helps to breathe that familiarity. But a lot of us, we won't admit it, but we want that in the first interaction. We don't want it to be awkward. We want conversation to flow. We want it to be like, find our soulmate. Like I say something, she thinks I'm hilarious. She, I think she's hilarious. Like we are looking for that in the first interaction. And you have to almost say like, I know there's probably going to be awkward moments, but I've prepared like these three conversation starters. That's okay. I know it feels weird, but you know, script what you can. I've prepared a couple conversation starters and I'm prepared to, you know, after a conversation, if I like somebody to say like, Hey, we should do this or whatever and prepare. It's going to be awkward, 
but it gets less awkward as you continue to see people. And I think if we can kind of adopt that attitude, we'll be surprised by like how many opportunities, you know, blossom. And when it comes to following up with all these people, the interest group, the the work meeting, you know, when it comes to following up and keeping it going, because that's a common question is like, well, I, I like her, but like, what do you do after that? You know, following up doesn't necessarily mean we have to keep planning a time to go out, go out. It just means how do I keep myself type top of mind with you to let you know I like you. So that could be something where in our conversation, I'm being very attentive. And she mentioned something about this new show she's binging. So maybe a week later, I message her on Instagram and I'm like, hey, I know this is random, but you mentioned that you're binging this show. And I watched the first episode last night and you're right. It's hilarious. Thanks for the recommendation. It keeps me top of mind. It keeps us chatting with each other. I'll end with this. The reason it's so important to keep yourself top of mind is because research shows that it takes 50 hours, five zero, to feel like you're familiar with this person. It takes 90 hours to feel like you're friends and 200 hours invested to feel like that's my best friend. And I often wonder if we could see a timestamp on each other's foreheads, like that hours clicking up, if we'd be more intentional about getting together, because we'd be like, oh, dang, okay, we're only at 36 hours. Do you want to like grab coffee or something? Because you're trying to like clock it up, you know? And so, yes, it literally takes time, but a lot of us are looking for instant comfort in that first interaction. We're like, oh God, it, it wasn't as natural as I thought. And we opt out and it's just, yeah, it's going to be awkward. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, it's going to feel like dating. But once you guys get in your groove, it's just, I mean, it's beautiful. That's a good way to think of it is dating because, you know, dating sucks, but we do it. Even if the first date is awkward, which usually it is, then you still are like, okay, like you're going to give it a few more dates unless it was terrible. But why do we have this expectation of meeting someone and like fireworks go off? Is it because of movies and TV shows? A hundred percent. I think so. And I always say like, sometimes when you put things in a romantic context, it makes total sense. Because if I'm with, you know, some guy and I'm just dating him and I come back and I tell my roommates like, I don't know, he was okay. They'd be like, oh my God, give him a second chance. Go on a second date. With a female friend, we go one time to the coffee thing or we talk to her once and we're like, I don't know. We're like, oh gosh, oh, was, was it weird? Oh God. Well, next, you know, or if there's a conflict with your romantic partner, it's understood. I'm going to work it out. My friends would be like, well, you need to let him know like how you felt, how that made you feel. Conflict with a female friend. We're like, hmm, okay. Clock that in your mind and you don't want to talk to her anymore. And so it's just like the same thing, working through conflict or saying that she, you know, letting her know she said something that kind of weirded you out and then moving on. Like the next day, we're still going to hang out again. Like let's normalize conflict and friendships and, and we're cool. It's totally fine. And so a lot of times when we put things in a romantic context, we know what to do. You're not feeling it anymore with the romantic partner. It's understood you're going to have a conversation and not ghost them. With a friend, that was awkward. Not going to answer her texts anymore. Totally done. This wasn't a good fit. Instead of like, hey, listen, you know what? I actually am going to, you know, I'm focused right now on the baby and family. I don't think I'll have as much time to hang out. I just wanted to let you know, because that's like unheard of. And so sometimes if you're totally at a loss for what to do, what would you do with your boyfriend? And that's what you do with your friend. And I think it'll help solve some of those mysteries. Are a lot of people moving their friendships to online? Because I'm just thinking now with technology, so many people must maintain friendships virtually and maybe have not even met them in person. Oh, totally. I actually had a session recently with a young woman who was nervous because she's like, I actually formed a lot of brand spanking new friendships 
during the pandemic. And now that the weather's warming up and people are getting vaccinated, it's like, do we keep doing this or do I move to meet in person? And if we do meet in person, like what's that going to be like? And there's even new emerging research now that's, that's exploring. I don't remember the terms, but it's, it's studying that very specific thing. Like what happens when you transfer an online friendship or relationship to in person and what happens with that, because that's so prevalent right now. So there's even research happening right now to figure out how does it affect the relationship and what happens psychologically when it's like, I've been seeing you on the screen, but now we're about to see each other in in real life. How do we do this? But at the end of the day, whatever works for both people, if it's something you're able to keep up consistently, everybody's comfortable, you know, get creative. Again, the way you would the dates, you'd be like, I got to keep it fresh. I got to keep it like spicy. Yeah, with my friendships. How can I be like, oh, I, I, you know, we have long distance friends. How can I send her a surprise package that has like, a canvas and some paintbrushes and she gets it and she's like, what the heck? And you're like, yeah. So we're going to do a paint class, a virtual paint class on Friday. Don't even worry about it. Just show up at this link. I already sent you the supplies. She'd be like, oh my God, like that's so thoughtful. It's so out of the box. It keeps our friendship kind of fresh. And so the same way you'd be intentional at like, how can I keep things fresh with my man? You know, same thing. How could you do that with your girls? That's happened to me a lot too, because we live in a new area I didn't really know anybody here, but now a lot of people know me from Instagram and TikTok. And so like I've maintained some friendships with people in the area and I'm like looking forward to us to be able to live life again so that I can go meet them because it's just like making friends online, which is nice. Yeah. Now I will say this about the online thing because you said I've met a lot of new friends online. There's something referred to, it's called Dunbar's number. And the idea is that we only have the mental capacity to maintain 150 social connections, which is a lot. And social media would have us think differently because you're like, oh, I have like a million followers. So I have like, (laughs) I have so many connections. And it's like, no, sweetie, no, sweetie. 150 like in real life people, like people you actually, your brain can like maintain, right? Like your husband's cousin and that barista you see all the time, 150, right? But if we think of that big circle and then like smaller and smaller concentric circles inside of it, the smallest circle inside has the number five on it. And that's how many close friendships your brain can handle. And get this, they say that if you have a romantic partner, he or she takes up two of those spots, leaving you with three. And the reason I like to offer this piece of advice or or this research is for multiple reasons. One, for those of us who are like, I only have two friends. Is that normal? You're good. I like to offer that for the extrovert who's exhausted because she's trying to maintain friendships with 15 girls and check in with everybody, right? You probably are tired because it's not possible to try to create something deep and meaningful with 15 people. And so it's just nice to kind of have like a collective sigh of relief of like, oh, okay, to take that pressure off of having to check in and, you know, pour into everybody's bucket And it's fluid. You might, in this season of motherhood, you might have certain women who are in those three because they're your saving grace. But maybe next year, as your kids get a little bit older and you're looking for new things and need new kind of support and new interests, they kind of slip out of there into the other circles while other ones kind of come inside. And so it's fluid as well. But I just want, you know, those listening to have a, oh, okay, take the pressure off. So just identify who are three to five women who you think are really cool and they're really nice. And you're like, I could be friends with her. Prioritize pouring into them instead of feeling a pressure to try to make a bunch of friends and be nice to everybody and find all these people and maintain all these old, who are your three to five who you'd really like to create something with and how can you be intentional there? 
that's a good number. I always say like I have maybe like three to five really close friends that I could talk to about anything, you know, message them at any time of day, like be totally open, vulnerable, have a really good time with them. And I feel super lucky to have that like super lucky. And yeah, it's interesting that the romantic partner takes up too, but I can totally see that as well. Because when my husband and I, before we were even married, I was explaining to him how like we are best friends because I don't know what he was saying, something about like me having friends or whatever. And I was like, yeah, but technically like we're best friends. Like you're my best friend. And he was like, really? And I was like, I never, I still bug him about that today because I'm like, remember when you didn't believe me that we were best friends? Like, (laughs) well, we are, (laughs) but it's true. And with maintaining multiple friendships, you don't have enough to give. So I feel like if you're trying to keep up with like, let's say 15 really good friends, I would feel like I'm not giving enough to any of those friendships. So it's better almost to focus on the really strong ones and put more energy into those because they would be more fulfilling. What are some ways that we can overcome conflicts in friendships? Well, the first is to get our mind right that they're normal. There was a study where they asked women, do you think that finding and maintaining friends, well, it's mostly finding friends, but do you think that friendship should be easy and organic and natural? Or do you think it should require work? And they followed up with those women five years later. The ones who said, I think that friendship should be like organic, easy, and natural. I don't know why I did it in that voice. The ones who, in my mind, they were like, I feel like it should be natural and easy. Those women were reporting greater feelings of loneliness than the women who said, I feel like it, you know, probably requires some work. And so let's start there when it comes to conflict. It's normal. If you are running every time a woman says something and it kind of rubbed you the wrong way, or she did that thing that was like, oh, made you feel tense. If you're leaving every time that happens, you're going to be starting from scratch every day because a part of being in a human relationship is somebody's going to hurt your feelings. You're going to hurt their feelings unintentionally. And the way we learn each other's boundaries is sometimes they get crossed and you're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. That's how, that's how we get there. And a lot of these women who have really close friendships, a lot of the closeness you're looking for is sometimes on the other side of a difficult conversation because its function is to breed understanding. So it's kind of an opportunity, you know, if a friend says something weird and I say like, so every time like you use that word, it makes me feel like really cringy. And I don't know, it just makes me feel weirded out. And so I just really don't like it. That's her opportunity to say, oh my God, I didn't even, oh, okay, okay, I didn't know. But now I know. And so for those of us who feel awkward about putting up boundaries with friends and we don't want to look like a biatch and we don't want to look like, try to see it as these boundaries are showing her how to love me well. Because if she's a good friend, she wants that data. Let me know if I'm saying and doing things that make you really uncomfortable. Please tell me because I want to do a good job as your friend, but I'm going to need you to give me that information. So a lot of us need to kind of rethink like, oh, she needs this information so we can show up for each other more and more comfortably. And there's no tension and no like silent. We're trying to like passively aggressively cue it to her and hope she gets it silly. And I like to argue that I think a lot of our female friendships are ending prematurely because we do not want to have hard conversations. I think there's a lot of reasons behind that. I think a lot of it is cultural conditioning and you're supposed to be likable. And we even tell little girls, that's not nice, be nice. And well, people aren't going to like that if you do that, but boys don't get like, 
Nobody's going to like you if you don't do it. We get that. You know, so I think there's a lot of stuff with that. You know, it's also shown that, you know, men, they tend to show their, their anger outwardly and will like hold it in because it's not attractive to openly say what makes you mad. And so that's why we get like the passive aggressive stereotype and we withdraw or we'll have friends say like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Like, did I say anything to offend you? And we're like, oh my God, no, no. Are you kidding me? Girl, no. And it's like, it did bother you because you told all your other friends it bothered you, (laughs) you know? And so I think we have to find a way to get comfortable being direct when we say it with a smile and then let's move on. Like, okay, meet you at the park tomorrow at two o'clock, right? You know, after having a hard conversation. So yeah, so conflict can actually be an opportunity to experience the closeness you said you were looking for in the first place. So, you know, let's put this in the context of of mom friends. Let's say a mom friend said something you felt really judged or she did something that made you uncomfortable, whatever. One, really ask yourself, like we said earlier, is it something worth having a conversation about or is it just a difference and you can just ignore it? But if it's something where it's like, God, every time she does that, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. This is my, my formula for having a tough conversation. First, I want you to think about the reason you're reluctant to have a conversation. For most of us, that's, I don't want to make it uncomfortable. I don't want it to be a big deal. I'm, I'm, I'm chill. I don't want to look like I'm not chill. I don't want her to withdraw and treat me differently. I don't want her to go and tell the other women, you know? And so we have all these reasons. Whatever that hesitancy is, personally, I believe that should be your first sentence. And so that looks like me saying, hey, Sandra, I wasn't going to bring this up because I thought the last thing I want is for it to be awkward between us. And you're like, my girl. But then I thought like, well, I want to bring it up just to make sure we're on the same page and we're cool. Yesterday, you said something and I didn't know how to take it. Could you tell me what you meant when you said that thing? So you'll notice I'm leading with vulnerability because I'm telling her the fear that I have. I don't want you to withdraw. So that's why I wasn't going to bring this up. But I thought like, We need to be on the same page. So I'm telling you my objective in doing this is because I want us to be closer. I'm not coming at you. I'm not, you know, my purpose is to tell you about yourself. No, I I want us to be closer. That's the purpose of me bringing it up. And you'll notice I'm posing questions instead of giving statements. What did you mean by that when you you made that comment at the mom's group yesterday? Because I wasn't I wasn't sure how to take that to give her an opportunity to clarify. She might clarify and then I don't even need to say the thing I needed to say. Or she might feel convicted because she knows like I should have said that. And she says, I know, I'm sorry. I was snippy. I, I was mad at my son. And, and that was a little snippy. I'm sorry. I said that. I don't need to say the thing I need to say. And so as much as you can lead with vulnerability, tell her the purpose of me talking to you is because our kids love each other. I don't want you to go anywhere. I love you, but I, I need clarification. And then asking questions instead of going in prepared with statements of how she needs to change and she needs to get herself together. You know, I think it can be a really winning formula. And then you guys move on. I think a lot about romantic relationships. Just, I don't know why I, well, I guess cause I've been stuck in a house for a year with my husband. <laughs> But so I think a lot about communication and how important it is. And, you know, it goes for friendships as well. It's the exact same thing. And how to approach it in that way is like ideal. I love that. So, okay, this was such a great conversation. Like I love all these topics that you brought up. So if people want to learn more, where can they find you online? And do you have anything coming up in the future that you're working on? 
Yeah. So all the stuff is at betterfemalefriendships.com. I do work specifically with women just because our friendships are unique. So betterfemalefriendships.com. And then on TikTok, like if you're trying to get some quick tips on TikTok, the friendship expert on TikTok, I do sessions. I do sessions with women all the time. We are about to announce a program to teach you how to master friendships because what I'm noticing is I'll get a lot of comments from women or DMs and they want help on this specific thing. And they're like binging the videos because they want to get like quick tips. And I think it's helpful in the moment and gives them some insight. But what we really need is like to have our friendships totally transformed. And so it's a new program that I'm really excited about that's going to teach you, we're talking mindsets, how to create new friendships, how to keep momentum, how to resolve conflict, and how to move on when a friendship ends, which can be really painful. So it goes through the entire cycle of friendships and you will definitely feel more confident and equipped on how to like deal with a relationship with any woman for the rest of your life. And so that's something we'll be launching very shortly that I'm excited about. But right now, all the details and all the things are at betterfemalefriendships.com. What was your TikTok account? The Friendship Expert. I watch your videos all the time. So it's like so funny to me to see you because I'm like, oh my God, like you're so on point with all the mom things. It's like, (laughs) Yeah, I need to follow you on TikTok. Oh my gosh. I'm a, when did you download TikTok? When did you start it? Beginning of the pandemic, like everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it so fun? Yes. Yes. And you, and you find your way. You're like, okay, this is my thing. This is my thing, you know? Yeah, totally. Oh, that's (laughs) awesome. All right. Well, it was lovely to meet you virtually. And if we're ever in Florida, we're going to hang out. Can we take our children to, what is it, Disneyland there? No, Disney World. Disney World, the full world, girl. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's like, I really am looking forward to take, like, I want to wait till Milo's a little bit older to take him to Disney. Because I feel like when they're young, they're not going to appreciate it. But I'm like, so looking forward to it. And I talk about it all the time. And my husband's like, oh my gosh. He's like, maybe you should just wait till we're able to go eat in restaurants again. And then we'll talk about Disney. <laughs> I'm like, fine. Mind, I mean, your mind gets to go wild right now. You're fantasizing all the things. So, you know, you, you dream, you dream big. But yeah, I know Disney World's on everybody's like list. And I totally agree with what you're saying about like waiting till they can appreciate it. They can walk, they can stand the heat, they, you know, the real stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, because it's not all fun and games at Disney. It's, it's, <laughs> it's hard work. <laughs> oh, this is so great. Well, have a great rest of your day. And I'm sure we'll keep in touch online. And I will see you on TikTok. Yes, you will. Okay, well, thank you for having me. This was awesome. Yes, thank you so much. Whoa.